This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. Uh, today's program has a theme, a theme we've used before, but uh, it's good to return to every so often, which was we're going to get by today with a little help from our friends. Yes, one friend we've had on this program has been uh, the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader Series, which has provided us with, you know, some really wonderful material over the years. We're very pleased to note that in our second segment today, we're going to talk to Uncle John himself, the occasion being the release of the 20th anniversary Bathroom Reader. We've also become quite fond in uh, recent, uh, recent months of Radar Magazine, and we're going to be talking to some of the good folks at Radar for next week's program. Our initial focus will be uh, the cover article on uh, the current issue of Radar, which is Help, I Can't Move My Face, and Other True Tales of Hollywood's Plastic Surgery Addiction. But uh, one of our good pals of late has been uh, America's foremost political comic, Will Durst. So I think what we'll do is start out with it today. Well, thanks, Doug. And today I want to talk about how the almighty have fallen. Yes, I'm talking about the American dollar, which is headed downhill faster than Bodie Johnson on a rocket sled. Think nosedive, plummet, plunge, belly flop. Recession is such an ugly word, isn't it? The evidence is everywhere. Try walking down a New York City street these days without being bumped off the sidewalk by a gaggle of foreigners brandishing a bountiful bouquet of high-end shopping bags like a force field constructed of cardboard boxes can't be done. I blame George Bush and his imbecilic economic chicanery for subjecting us to these indignities. Lowering taxes during wartime, silly boy. And now OPEC is making noises about following Brazilian supermodel Giselle Bunchen's lead and asking to be paid in euros. Euros, hell, the lady should be paid in clothes because to look at her, you'd have to think that she doesn't own any. Somebody, throw her a jacket. She has to be cold. The dollar is sunk lower than a strip show flyer stuck to the undercarriage of a Lamborghini Murcielago. The pound is up to $2. Levels not seen since the 50s. The euro is at its highest level against the dollar ever. When? Ever! And that obnoxious sound coming from north of the borders and nonstop laughter of millions of Canadians smirking about the play money that we call dollars. Oh, so I guess you'd be talking about American money, eh? Ooh. I don't know there, eh? Our economy isn't in the doldrums. Our economy can't even see the doldrums. Our economy aspires to doldrums. W has turned us into a third world banana republic. We're Costa Rica to the rest of the world, with lousier beaches. And who can blame the hordes of Euro trash from clogging the aisles of American Tiffany franchises like hillbillies at a dollar store? Everything here is so incredibly cheap. We've become playground of the world's trust fund babies. It's like having a big-ticket Walmart one virgin flight away. Maybe kicking the greenback dollar under the couch is just the neocon's idea how to get rid of our looming social security problem. Make the dollar worth so little that in the future, any one of us will be able to cover the entire shortfall by digging into our own wallets. $30 trillion? Is that all you're worried about? Why didn't you say so in the first place? Who here can break a quadrillion? For Parallax Radio, I'm Will Durst. We are very pleased to have Mr. Durst on this program. Uh, he really is, I would say, a national treasure. 
At this point, let's uh, commence the program as we normally like to do with on this date in history, which in today's case is December 6th. And uh, by the way, in our third segment today, we expect to talk to our good friend Bruce Bronstein. He of Hollywood, California, has been a great assistant to this program's efforts in the past, along with our environmental correspondent, Jen Davidson, as well as a guy from the neighborhood, Vince Rincon, who will have a few things to say about uh, the antics of Mr. David Lee Roth, who appeared locally last week. On December 6th in 1631, the German astronomer Johann Kepler successfully predicted the transit of Venus across the face of the sun. He not only predicted this particular transit, but also worked out that such transits of Venus occur in a cycle of 120 years. And by the way, one of our all-time favorite interviews was, was, was with author James A. Connor, who wrote a book about Kepler titled Kepler's Witch. We would suggest strongly that you go to our archives, if you never heard that broadcast, and dial it up. And if you're keeping score about these transits of Venus, because we mentioned on the show the uh, Venus transit of 2004 was something we're sorry to have missed. That was complicated by the fact that you had to travel around the world to see it. Well, they occur in eight-year cycles, 120 years apart. The next one will be in 2012, so mark that on your calendar. And no, you won't have to go anywhere for that one. It'll be visible right here in California. All right, on December 6th in 1768, the first Encyclopedia Britannica was published in Scotland. And no, we don't know why it didn't, it didn't see print in jolly old England, but perhaps... Some of our listeners over in the UK and would know something about that and can send us an email at info at radioparallax.com. And uh, speaking of the British Isles, on this date in 1921, the Irish Free State was declared, ending a five-year Irish struggle for independence from Great Britain. Ireland was to remain part of the British Commonwealth, but it later severed ties with Great Britain, was renamed Ire, and is now known as the Republic of Ireland. And I believe in the past we quoted from Uncle John's Bathroom Reader when it revealed the fact that is not as widely known as it might be that St. Patrick himself was English. And finally, on December 6th in 1945, a chance discovery uh, by Percy Spencer, who was a scientist working on radar. Uh, Mr. Spencer apparently leaned over a magnetron tube and in doing so, noticed that the candy bar in his pocket had melted. British scientist Spencer wondered if the magnetron had something to do with the melting of the candy and further experiments. He worked for the Raytheon Company, by the way, revealed that they did. This was the origin of the microwave oven. And doggone it, I'm pretty sure there was a story in Uncle John's about that too. And as long as we've got, uh, you know, the product of the Bathroom Readers Institute in our hand, I think today's quote, quip, joke, and statistic will all come from the 20th anniversary Bathroom Reader. All right, our quote of the day, and this one comes from a media watchdog site called Regret the Error, which releases its Crunks Awards, which highlights the funniest news flubs every year. As repeated here in Uncle John's Bathroom uh, Reader series, it was noted the following. This is from the Chicago Tribune. Quote, An editorial in Friday's paper incorrectly stated that Florida Creswell, a candidate for state representative in the 28th District, 
was convicted in 1999 of battery and stealing Tupperware. In fact, he was convicted of stealing a battery from a van as well as Tupperware that was inside the van. And of course, our follow-up question in this in the next segment is going to be, did the 28th district actually elect Florida Cresswell? Our quip of the day comes from Tom Hanks, who said, If you have to have a job in this world, high-priced movie star is a pretty good gig. Our joke of the day, and actually this is more of a practical joke of today's show, comes from the following April Fool's joke, which was perpetrated in 1982 by the Connecticut Gazette and its sister weekly, the Connecticut Compass. Apparently on April 1st in 1982, the two papers announced they'd been purchased by TASS, the official news agency of the Soviet government, allegedly as part of TASS's plan to expand beyond the USSR. The article also reported that the editors of both newspapers had been killed in freak, simultaneous hunting accidents after shooting each other in the back of the head with Soviet rifles. Reportedly, the publishers eventually admitted that the article was a joke, but not everyone bought it. One caller of the Gazette said, You expect me to believe a bunch of commies? Our statistic of the day is zero. <laughs> that was the score of Modesto, California, according to the book Cities Ranked and Rated. Modesto was rated the worst overall city in America. After scoring zero on the book's 100-point scale for its high cost of living, high unemployment rate, lack of activities, and highest car theft rate in the United States. For the record, you know, we'd, we'd rather live in Modesto than, say, Crawford, Texas, but that's just our personal opinion. And although our, our joke of the day was quite a barn burner, we have to do a more conventional joke, I think, from this uh, triumphant 20th anniversary bath reader, which came from the immortal Henny Youngman. I'm going to try to do this in my best Henny Youngman voice. A man calls a lawyer's office. Schwartz, 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 and Schwartz, says a man on the phone. Let me talk to Mr. Schwartz. I'm sorry, he's on vacation. Well, then let me talk to Mr. Schwartz. Well, he's busy with a big case. Well, then let me talk to Mr. Schwartz. I'm sorry, he's out playing golf today. Okay, let me speak to Mr. Schwartz. Speaking. Yeah, I know it's a telegraph joke, but it's Henny Youngman. He's a classic. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week this week for historical perspectives when it was noted that Photographs of Abraham Lincoln are extremely rare, with only 130 known to exist, but historians have tentatively identified two more thanks to the efforts of an amateur history buff, John Richter of Hanover, Pennsylvania. Apparently, Mr. Richter was examining thousands of photos of Gettysburg, which were digitalized in the year 2000 by the Library of Congress, when he spotted a tall man in a stovepipe hat saluting Union troops. Experts say the man appears to be President Lincoln just before the delivery of his famous Gettysburg Address. It was, on the other hand, kind of a bad week for historical perspective a few months back when the British government admitted that author George Orwell was under constant surveillance by Britain's MI5 security service. 
The surveillance lasted at least a decade. Orwell, one sharp-eyed British spy, noted, quote, dresses in a bohemian fashion both at his office and in his leisure hours. His uh, bohemian sartorial stylings were evidently looked at uh, disapprovingly. And finally, it was kind of an ugly week uh, last week for freedom of speech. And finally, it was an ugly week uh, last week for freedom of speech after a New York man whose license plate read, Get Osama, had the plate recalled by the New York Department of Motor Vehicles on the grounds that it may offend someone. Apparently, Arno Herwith, a retired New York City cop, got the plates a couple weeks ago, but officials notified him that he had to send them back because they violated a ban on plates that are, quote, derogatory to a particular ethnic or other group. Said Herwith, the only group he could imagine being offended were members of Al-Qaeda, adding, this is unbelievable. We'd have to agree. And from our listener mail, we want to thank uh, John C. for alerting us to the fish kill, which took place down in Prospect Island. Uh, We'd like to talk about that, uh, but uh, there's a few details I'm not clear on, so uh, we're going to have to return to that in the weeks to come. In fact, you know, it'd be a good thing to talk about on next week's show as we talk about fish with uh, Jen Davidson, so stay tuned for that. From the unwanted email department, I did note that I was offered a few weeks back uh, some real reasonably uh, priced uh, diplomas, which I could purchase uh, online. The, uh, the Bee talked about this in an article uh, last month. They cited three, quote, universities, unquote, like Almeida University, which offers bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees for between $500 and $1,500. Almeida apparently feels it can grant these degrees based on life experiences, not coursework. And it adds on its web pitch that its degrees and transcripts don't disclose that fact to potential employers. We mentioned on this show many years ago an episode where there was a sting done, and I believe it was the state of Louisiana for one of these diploma mills. In this case, it was to whether they could get some sort of... uh, official recognition by the state, which apparently was embarrassingly easy to obtain. Evidently, reporters set up a dummy diploma mill to, to see whether they get uh, some sort of accreditation. And apparently, it didn't raise the suspicion of the state authorities that the official motto of the school was solo pro avibus est educatio, which, although it does sound rather scholarly, translates into English as Education is for the birds. And apparently alarm bells did not go off that the faculty of the school consisted of Jerome Horowitz, Moses Horowitz, and Lawrence Feynman, who are perhaps better known to you as the Three Stooges. Yes, our favorite was the motto of one of the other schools, which translated to English as, From Petty Theft to Highway Robbery. That one also made the grade. All right, and speaking of stupid officials from red states, how about this item from a couple days ago, Dateline, Austin, Texas? And uh, lest we be accused of bias against the Lone Star State, let's note that our source on this is that leftist publication, USA Today. 
According to the paper, Chris Comer, the state's director of science curriculum, resigned last month under pressure from officials who felt she gave the appearance of criticizing the instruction of intelligent design. The Texas Education Agency had put Chris Comer on 30 days paid administrative leave leave last October, resulting in what she described as a forced resignation. Apparently, Ms. Comer's transgression was that she forwarded an email announcing a presentation being given by the author of Inside Creationism's Trojan Horse, a book in which the author, Barbara Forrest, says creationist politics are behind the movement to get intelligent design theory taught in public schools. Whoa, and this just in a related story. Socio-religious investigation of the pontiff has revealed that he's a Catholic. But here's the part about the story I like, and I'm going to quote from the article. TEA officials declined to comment on the personnel matter regarding the firing, but they explained their recommendation to fire Comer in documents obtained by the Austin American Statesman through the Texas Public Information Act. Quote, Ms. Comer's email implies endorsement of the speaker and implies that TEA endorses the speaker's position on a subject on which the agency must remain neutral. Yes, apparently to people on the Texas Education Agency, uh, implying that there's a link between the creationists and the advocates of intelligent design means you're taking sides in the controversy. (sighs) We personally would think it'd be more reasonable to fire somebody for not advocating that intelligent design be tossed out of textbooks since it has no scientific merit. Hey, if we're going to have, quote, both sides, unquote, on every issue, why don't we make it a law that uh, textbooks in religious studies or even Bibles that are printed in, in, in California should have to have a disclaimer in the beginning about Mendelian genetics and DNA before the book of Genesis? Actually, of course, that's a dumb idea because science and religion in this matter should not mix. And make no mistake about it, intelligent design, better known as creationism, is religion. And no, we're not personally opposed to devoting some time in the classroom to explaining it as an alternative theory. We just think spending more than the necessary 30 seconds to cover it is excessive. All right, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to speak with Uncle John, he of the triumphant 20th anniversary bathroom reader. Stay tuned. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. It is only a paper moon hanging over the cardboard seat, but wouldn't be make-believe if you believe in me. It is only a canvas sky sailing over a muslin tree, but it wouldn't be make-believe if you believe in me. Without your love, it's a honky-tonk parade. Without your love, it's a melody played on a penny arcade. It's a Barnum and Bailey world, just as phony as it can be, but it wouldn't be make-believe if you believe in me. 